Amen. So today, um, I'm going to start a series today. And, and, but today, the first message, I really had to get something over with, I think, before we get into this message. And I'm going to touch on it just a little bit this morning, but, but I want to, uh, to really talk about the difference between in Adam and in Christ. In Romans 5, 14, it says, nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam. And then it says, Adam, who is the type of him who was to come. Now, if you have a Bible this morning, you need to underline that in your Bible. In 1 Corinthians 15 to verse 22, it says this, For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. Now, that's a very important scripture. Again, and notice it says, in Adam and in Christ. In, in, in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse, verse 45, it says this, and so it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. Who is the last Adam? Jesus, that's right. Hallelujah, a life-giving spirit. And so I'm going to jump in, and, and I'm going to get to that in just a minute, but I want to read a couple of things to you first. You know, and, and I'm just going to read in Ephesians 1.1. That's what we're going to be talking about in the next few weeks is the book of Ephesians. And it says this, 1.1, it says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. So in verse one here, this is really a prayer, but it begins to talk about the blessings that we have in Christ Jesus, in Christ. And so I'll start with verse one again, and it says this, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus. That's verse 1. Go to verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Verse 6 says this, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which we may, he made us accepted in the beloved. Hallelujah. Verse 7, in him we have, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Verse 10, that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. Verse 11, in him we also have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the, to the counsel of his will. Verse 12, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. And then verse 13, 
It says this, in him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also being having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Now, we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. We've been marked. We've been sealed with a mark by the Holy Spirit. But all of these scriptures, are, they pertain to people who are in Christ. Who's in Christ? Yes. Amen. All everybody who's in Christ and these Ephesians, I found a couple of things that I wanted to share with you this morning. Uh, they were a group of believers who were rich beyond measure in Christ Jesus, yet living as beggars and only because of because they were ignorant of their wealth. You're ignorant if you if you have a lack of knowledge. So they had a lack of knowledge of what really belonged to them. And in, in, in this place, um, in Ephesus, it was a, con- it was considered to be the Bank of Asia, the financial center of the Roman Empire. So it's fitting that Paul used financial language through this letter to the Ephesians. He uses terms like this, inheritance, fullness, field, and riches to describe the spiritual wealth that all believers have in Christ. So in chapters 1, 2, and 3, he talks about this heavenly bank account that we have and what is in this bank account. Things like adoption, acceptance, redemption, forgiveness, wisdom, inheritance, the seal of the Holy Spirit, life, grace, and citizenship. And one time he says this, all spiritual blessings. That's in in chapters 1, 2, and 3. In 4 and 5, it says the Christian learns a spiritual walk rooted in his spiritual wealth. And then he sums it up in in just one verse in Ephesians 2.10. It says this, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. See that those first three chapters? For good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them, chapters 4, 5, and 6. And that's what we're going to be doing. Honey, will you give me a drink? Thank you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's what we're going to be doing in the next few weeks. But, you know, there was just something I had to do first. And, And it's... It has to do with those first three scriptures that I talked about in Romans chapter five and first Corinthians 15. And, and, and it's, and it's really, he's talking about the difference between Adam and the Lord Jesus Christ. The first Adam was the one and Jesus is a figure of Adam was a figure. I'm sorry of Jesus or the, the one who was to come. And that's Jesus Christ. Now, Adam He was the beginner. He was the father of the human race. He was the head of it. He was the father. He was the beginner of the race that's on the earth today. But now, including us, there's a new race in the world, a brand new race in the world. And, and, you know, the Bible says that we're called new creatures, New creatures. The Bible says this in, in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. Or in the King James, New King James, it says a new creation. Old things have passed away and all things are become new. So there's a new human race 
that are no longer slaves to, to God. How they're, they're no longer servants to God. We are sons and daughters of the Most High God. We are a brand never before, never before was there a race like us. We're a brand new race that's in the world today. Hallelujah. In 1 Corinthians 15, 22, it says, For as in Adam all die, all die in Adam. Even so in Christ, all shall be made alive. And there's such a contrast between Adam and, and, and what he brought into the world and, and, and the, the Lord and what he brought into the world. Such a contrast there. And so if you were born in this world, if you were born uh, into Adam, then you were born with something called a sin nature. It's as, it's as easy, it's just as natural for us to sin as it is for sparks to fly up. You, you ever notice this, that you don't have to teach little kids to be mean? No, they just grow up that way. It's because of the sin nature that we receive through Adam. And it's a, a natural thing for us to eat, to sin. Hallelujah. Even if part of us, even if part of us wants to do good, there's that sin nature that's evil. And that sin nature always wins. It always wins over. Now, I grew up in this house and, and we were taught the difference between right and wrong. We were. And, and we knew, we knew when we were right that nothing happened to us. Nothing happened. But we knew when we, we did something wrong we got the tar beat out of us our mom beat us with a belt i mean it was so we knew we knew and there were certain things through the years that we learned we could not get away with like fighting or calling each other names or you know there's you know lying stealing and all that kind of stuff we knew that we couldn't do that because we'd get spanked and so so it, it it you know as time went on though I remember that I, we begin to be a little more free from mom. Okay. We get in high school, we get a car and, and we get out there in, 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 you know, in the world with people. And, and, uh, we begin to have this idea that, well, mom's not here, so she'll never know about it. And we begin to, that sin nature took over inside of us. Well, I, you know, I, I'm sure my sister's watching this morning and hopefully she's saying amen. I wasn't the only sinner, but, <laughs> but you know, the, the, the story that can't just really popped into my mind is this is after I, I was an adult. I worked for UPS and, and, uh, this, this guy and I, we were room, roommates and, uh, and we were riding home together one day and it was, it was golly, it was in the middle of winter. And I'm telling you, it went in the middle of winter in Amarillo. It is cold because the wind blows. It blows right up your bridge's leg. And so we'd been out in that cold all day long. And, and so we're on the way home and, and all of a sudden I said, man, it's too bad. We don't have a fire because we had a fireplace in our apartment. And so he got, and he says, you know what? Um, we can have, yeah, let's build a fire. And I said, well, where are we going to get wood? And he said this, he said, just watch me. 
And so we drove down through, you know, the part of the city and we pulled into like a business area and we pulled the back around, around the back. And there was, I could see it was an insurance agency and, and, uh, there was a big stack of wood there. So he jumped out of the pickup and he just started throwing in the back of the pickup. And so I rolled down the window. I said, you know, these people, I was thinking maybe it's all right. But he said, he said, well, I've delivered to him a few times. And, and he said, get out here and help me. So I was thinking it was almost like I was sick. I don't want to steal. I don't want to jump out there and steal that wood. That was the part in me that didn't want to sin. But yet that sin nature took over. And the next thing you know, I was out there just throwing that wood in him, just in the back of the pickup, just like him. But you see, it's that sin nature that we have to overcome. And remember this, that if we're in Adam, all in Adam die because sin leads to death. And so you may ask the question, so how do I, how do I get in Christ? What do I do? Well, you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you ask him to be your Lord and Savior and you are in Christ. Amen. Amen. I don't want to miss the scripture. I might have one here because I got, I think I might have got ahead of myself. In John 3 3, it says this Jesus said this to Nicodemus and he said, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So we accept Jesus and we're in Christ. And you know, there's people today that they think that they're okay with God and they're going to heaven. And, and it's because they, in fact, I read this thing in, in, on my phone this morning that one in three people believe that Jesus is the way to heaven. One in three. I think they said like 10% or whatever, 20% of the people believe that way, that way, but it was done by, excuse me, uh, Arizona State University. So those other two, they, they believe that you get to heaven by just doing good things. And so that's why there's so many, these other religious crowds, these religions can draw people in because it's about, they, they, they have, they pray religious prayers. They do religious things. They have these deeds they have to do. They may even read their Bible and, but, and, and they're good to people do good to others. And they believe that that is good enough. They believe that because they do that, that is going to get them to heaven. But Jesus said this, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation, a new creation. Hallelujah. And so, but and, and it's not just in those places. The Lord quickened to me that there's people who are in churches. There's people in churches and they're still in Adam. They've never really committed to be a Christian. There, I mean, and just because you're in church, remember that? You know, there's, there's a saying a long time ago, it, it'd be like if you were in McDonald's, it doesn't make you a hamburger. But there are people that have never really given their heart. And, and I know this is true because there are denominations that, that really don't teach this experience. And, and, and I really, it, it, 
you know, it became real to me a few years ago when, when the, there's a lady in our neighborhood and she knows Rhonda better than me. And, uh, she asked my wife, she said, well, your husband, he has a pickup. Will he do me a favor? And because I bought something at Home Depot, will he take me to Home Depot to, to bring it back here? And my wife said, sure he will. So, so anyway, I, she volunteered me and that's okay, honey. <laughs> you know what I've noticed when you have a pickup, you, you need to hide it in the garage. <laughs> Everybody who moves, they call you first. Hallelujah. But, but anyway, I'm taking her to, to a Home Depot, and all of a sudden, she begins to quiz me. She said, so what is the deal with you and your wife and your church? And I said, well, what are you talking about? She said, well, well what's your church all about? And so I began to tell her some things, but I said, you know, you know, when I, we first were married, just before we were married, we were dating. My wife accepted Jesus as her Lord and Savior. She was born again. And, and so she looked at me and she said, so what does that mean? I've heard that before. What does that mean? And, and I said, it's like a rebirth in your spirit. That your old nature's gone, and now you're made brand new in Jesus Christ. You're born again. You're a new creation. And she goes, you know what? I just don't believe that. And I said, well, what about your church? And she said, uh, she said, in my church, she said, I was born a Lutheran. Oh, I didn't want to say that. But I already did. So she said, I was born a Lutheran, and that's it. And so I began to tell her, no, no, that's not it. You may be a Lutheran, but you need to be a Christian. And the way that you become a Christian is to ask Jesus to be your Lord and your Savior. And, and it was like, it, what, it just didn't register to her. That was even something that she was even interested in. So there are people, just because you're in a church, doesn't mean that you are a Christian. So I think it's a good question for, this is a good thing for us to establish today. Are we in Adam or are we in Christ? See, we need to make that sure in our life. Because if we're in Adam, we're still going to have that same sin nature. That we, that we used to have. Now, once you get born again, you're not perfect. I'm not saying that. But there's something different about it. Cause when you blow it, you know it on the inside. Hallelujah. And in all those years, I remember, I, I thought my mother, she put a conscience in us. And, and you know, the conscience was there, but it became so easy to break, but it's not now. Because, because we get into the flesh and we do things that we're not supposed to do. But immediately, if we are going to continue to walk with God, he's going to quicken us, and immediately we get right with him again. And see, that's the difference. You know, when, when you ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, your life totally and completely changes. Can you see? I mean, it totally and completely changes. You have new desires. You have new friends. You have a new way of walking, a new way of talking. 
a new way of living because Christ is in us. Amen. Christ in us, the hope of glory. And, and so when, when we're like that, it's, it's so easy for us to want, we want to give our testimony. You know, aren't you, I mean, and we should always be ready to give our testimony. And I'm glad, I'm glad that I got born again. I'm glad that, that Miss Rhonda, I met her and she got born again before me. And she began to tell me about Jesus. She began to tell me and, 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 and even to, there were times she began to tell me and I didn't even ask her to tell me because, because she was so full of Christ already. She is full of God. And, and finally it was, it was sometime later. I'm always later, always later. But there was that time when I remember on a Sunday morning that I received him as my Lord and Savior and, and it did change me. It did change me. Now there were still things to work on because I believe that, that I was gradually and, and I, I forgot the word I was going to use this morning, but, but it was a gradual work in me and the sanctification part to being totally sanctified in Christ Jesus. That's our testimony, you guys. That is our testimony. And, and I can't, I can't talk about this without, without mentioning the apostle Paul. Because he was always ready to give his testimony. The, the one that, that it just sticks in my mind, though, and in my heart is in Acts chapter 26. Because, see, he was arrested. He had been arrested and already been to a, before a couple of people. But he's, he's going before King Agrippa. And he says, King, I'm so glad that you're overseeing this because you understand the Jewish customs. And, and you know, King, you know that everybody in this room. All the religious crowd was there. He said, everybody knows that I was trained in this very city in our religion. That's what he said. I was trained in the Jewish religion. And he said, he said, they know that. And he said, so now I'm on trial. And, and it's because I believe something that our ancestors have prayed for forever. Is it wrong for me to think that someone can be raised from the dead? Because it was, it was taught about the Savior, the one who had come, the Messiah. And he, he goes on to say, you know, King, I was faithful to you too. What I did was I was commissioned by, by the uh, religious leaders. And, and what I did is I chased those Christians down. I chased them down and I persecuted them. I would go, I would go to other cities and I would drag them back to Jerusalem and I'd have them stand trial to see if they were going to live or die. And I voted that they would die. He said, I tortured them. I tortured them and, and, and tortured them until they renounced Jesus. I did that. But then Lord, or he said, no, then, King, one day I was on my way to Damascus. <laughs> and he said, and on that trip, I was confronted by a bright and shining light that was brighter than the sun. And it knocked us all to the ground. And I called out, I said, Lord, who are you? And from the midst of that light, there was a voice that said, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. So get up. 
He said, get up because I have a work for you to do. I'm going to send you. I'm going to send you to the, to the Jews and to kings. And you know what? You're going to tell them about what you've seen and what I will show you in the days to come. And I'll have to rescue from these people. You'll be, you, I'll rescue from the Jews and the Gentiles. And you'll stand before kings. And he said, what you're going to do is deliver this message. I said the Gentiles, you're going to preach to them and you're going to tell them about me. And so Paul said, I, after that, I got up. And, you know, there was a little time there where we had to get healed. But he said, I did exactly that. I started in Damascus and I went to, I think it was Samaria after that. There were some different towns that he went to, excuse me, Jerusalem. And he said, and then to the Gentiles. And I began to tell them the good news that they no longer have to live in darkness. See, when you're in Adam, you're walking in darkness. And see, that religion that he was in, he, he was still in darkness. And, and he, so anyway, he began to tell these people that they, that Jesus made a way for them to not walk in darkness anymore, but see the light and to walk in the light. And, and you know, he was standing on trial, but every standing trial before, for that, that king. And then, you know, eventually they sent him to Rome. And, you know, he had to get, he went before Caesar, but he never stopped telling his testimony about what God had done for him. I read a story just the other day about a man. And if I said his name, you'd know. He, he, uh, he, he grew up in this town in West Texas and, and he is pastor. His dad was a pastor. And, and he said that it was rough and it was a hard time for their family because his mom somewhere after they moved there, she lost her mind. And, and it was like she, she was ill. So his dad had to work very, very hard, very hard for them to make a living. And, and also at the same time, take care of her, take care of the house and preach on Sundays. But he got a hold of this book. It was called The Authority of the Believer by Kenneth Hagin, and it changed his whole life. It changed their their whole family. And he began to preach that, and God began to turn things around, and that church began to grow. But as he began to get older, he didn't want anything to do with that. See, there's the example. He grew up in, in, in church, but he, he didn't really, had never really committed his life to God. He was still in Adam. And he said, so when he got older, he began to do things and get in trouble. And when he went to church, he'd sit at the back of the church and, and he would, he would just sit back there so no one would see him, wouldn't draw attention to himself. But one time he was in there. I mean, he, he ended up going, he was in a wreck. He was in jail and all these things happened to him. And, and, uh, he said one time that he and his friends were in the back of the church and this, this man came by. I forgot what his name is, but he was an evangelist and you never knew when he was going to come. But when he came, it was, it was always good. See, it was a Pentecostal church like this one. They believed in miracles. They believed in the power of the Holy Spirit. They believed that blind people ought to see. They believed that lame people ought to be able to walk just like this. Amen.
Amen. It, and so, so he's sitting back there and he's hiding out with his friends. And all of a sudden, this guy calls his name at the front of the church. And, and he said, come up here. I think he even called him the, the pastor's son. Get up here. And so he set him on, on, on the end of the, what's this called here? Altar. Yeah. Thanks, honey. He, the, he, he put him on the altar. And, and he told him, he, he, he began to tell him that God had his hand on him and that God wanted to use him. And he began to tell him all these wonderful things. And he said that day that he just began to cry, he, he wept in front of everybody because that day he became in Christ. And everything changed. He said before that, his mom is a Pentecostal church. And his mom, they'd say, hallelujah, hallelujah. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, she'd go, woo! And she had run through the church. And he, when he was back there with his friends, he had hide under the pew saying, oh, my gosh. He was so embarrassed. He was humiliated, he said. He said, but you know, after that, when she'd go, woo, and begin to run, he said, I was running with her. Amen. But that, see, that's what, that's what the Spirit of God will do to you. It'll make you different. A different person that you used to be. And, and that's, that's who we are. Every one.